Thanks to Paul and to the very creative team this morning for leading us in this time of worship. I'd like for you to stand right where you are and greet a friend near you, perhaps even meet a new friend. Would you do that? Let everyone know that we're glad they're here today. Yesterday, we had some teams from our Wana Clubs who participated in a Bible quiz, and we want to congratulate the four teams who did so, and especially the pioneers and the pals who came in first in their contests. And you will notice that there are four roses at the organ today. They're in honor of four new believers who've come to faith in Christ, the witness of people in our church family in the last two weeks. They are Aaron, Christina, Melissa, and Hai Vu. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we give thanks to you for the fruit of witness and for these four who've come to faith in your Son. Our prayer is that they will grow and be nurtured and that they, too, would come to bear fruit as missionaries for the Lord Jesus Christ in those places where they live and work. Father, we pray this morning for Rod, who continues uh, to battle disease. We ask that you bring a measure of health to him even this day and new strength. Lord, you know the concerns and burdens of every one of us as we gather, and we bring those to you because you are our friend and you care about us. We give thanks for that friendship and that love that characterizes your concern for each of us. And now would you minister to our hearts by your Holy Spirit as we study your word together about friends. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to open the word of God with me today to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 where it says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The most serious form of poverty is to be without a friend. Our greatest wealth is measured not in terms of riches, but relationships. Friends are like socks. Everybody should have at least a few good ones. There are different kinds of friends, of course. There are superficial friends and deep friends, true friends and false friends. I think of the prodigal son and the friends that he made while he was on his journey away from his father. When his money ran out, so did his friends, and he was left alone in the pig pen. Someone has written, true friends are like diamonds, precious and rare. False friends are like autumn leaves found everywhere. We treasure, and rightly so, those who are our true friends. God has a good deal to say about friendships, especially in the book of Proverbs. The wise person listens to God's counsel regarding friendships. In the first place, we learn from God's counsel that a true friend sticks close, even when it's tough. A friend loves at all times, 
And chapter 18, verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend sticks close, a true friend. Even when the times are tough, this word stick in chapter 18, verse 24 is the same Hebrew word as used in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14, of Ruth clinging to Naomi when Naomi sought to send her back to her homeland. But she persisted and clung to her mother-in-law and desired to be with her. Your people will be my people, she said. Your God will be my God. The day of trouble is the day that tells you who your real friends are. You remember, I'm sure, Jonathan and David. David, who would be the future king of Israel, and Jonathan, who was the son of the current king, whose name was Saul. It says in the 18th chapter of 1 Samuel that their hearts were knit together. Their hearts were bound together like a bundle of wood is bound tightly. And they became dear friends. They loved each other truly. The day came when Saul was very jealous of David and sought to put David to death by a number of different means. Jonathan's friendship was so strong with David, and he believed so deeply in David's call of God to be the next king, that Jonathan was willing to risk his relationship with his father for the sake of his friend, and nearly got himself killed by his own dad because he stuck up for his friend David, who was in trouble. When David heard the news that Jonathan had been killed on Mount Gilboa with his father Saul, David wept. Yes, he wept for Saul, the man who had tried to kill him. He was loyal even to the one who became his enemy. But at the end of his lamentation... David wept for Jonathan because he was going to miss this man who was the dearest of all of his friends. A true friend sticks close even when it's tough. Some friends are like your shadow. You see them only when the sun shines. But a true friend is there on cloudy days. A little boy defined a friend as somebody who knows all about you and likes you just the same. Secondly, we learn that a true friend tells you the truth even when it hurts. That's what God says. Chapter 27 of Proverbs in verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says the King James Version. You know, regardless of what happens to you, there are some friends who knew it would. Isn't that right? A friend loves you enough to risk that relationship to be honest with you. Treasure that person. Every one of us needs at least one honest critic who loves us and who 
is willing to take the time and energy necessary to prove that love by correcting us when we need it. A true friend tells you the truth, even when it hurts. Has there been some friend who has hurt you in recent days and you've become angry? Understand that that friend did you a favor if he or she told you the truth. It might be wise to say at this point that before we go telling the truth to our friends, it is wise for us to invest enough time in them that they know that when we speak the truth to them, we're speaking it in love. The Bible says we are to speak the truth in love. A critical spirit is not a spiritual gift, but loving criticism can be valuable as a contribution to someone that you really care about. As you deal with someone else's faults, though, deal with them gently as if they were your own. There's an old Arab proverb that says, A friend is one to whom we may pour out all the contents of our hearts, chaff and grain together, <clears throat> knowing that the gentlest of hands will take and sift it. Keep what is worth keeping, and with the breath of kindness blow the rest away. All of us need a friend like that. Third, God's counsel to us is this. A true friend shapes your character, even when it's grating. Do you have a friend who grates on you? Please remember that as that friendship is fulfilled, it will, grate, it will shape your character. Chapter 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Interaction with other people is crucial to your maturity as a human being and as a Christian. God has made us so that we do not develop living in cocoons. We need other people. And just as iron moving across iron causes it eventually to be sharpened, so one friend rubbing up against another friend, interacting with him over weeks and months and years, sharpens his friend. An exchange of views, even a healthy disagreement, sharpens us so that we are better men and women for that interchange. That person is your friend who pushes you nearer to God. But the process of that can be sometimes grating. Do you enjoy the sound of fingernails on a blackboard? Do you enjoy the sound of iron rubbing across iron? Sometimes that gets to us. It can be unpleasant. But be glad for those relationships where you don't agree on everything. Where you don't, where you always agree. Where you always agree, one of you is unnecessary. And so be glad that there is some difference. It is that difference as you interact in a healthy and mature way that causes your character to be sharpened. Pick the kind of friends that are going to sharpen you well. 
Don't pick the friends that are always going to tell you what you want to hear. Now, the darker side of this can be found in the New Testament of 1 Corinthians 15, where it says, bad company corrupts good morals, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. We need to beware of the wrong kinds of friends, because just as a true friend will sharpen our character in a positive sense, the wrong kind of friends will dull us in a negative sense. People are judged, we hear, by the company they keep. It's also true that people are judged by the company they don't keep. Don't keep the kind of friends that will push you away from God, that will cause your character to be dulled instead of sharpened. Pick your friends well. Because we will talk and we will think like the person that we listen to the most. A true friend shapes your character, even when it's grating. And fourth, a true friend deserves your care, even when it's understood. Chapter 27, again in verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. And do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. What is he saying here? He is saying that we ought to not forsake our friends or our father's friends. We need to nurture them. They deserve our care, these true friendships. We think, well, he knows, she knows that we're friends. And that may well be. But God counsels us to take care to our friendships. And not our own personally, but also those that belong to our broader family. Don't take them for granted. Friendship is too precious to treat it that way. It needs nurture. Give it nurture. Dr. Samuel Johnson said, a man, sir, should keep his friendships in constant repair. Is there a friendship in your life that today is beginning to fray at the edge? Not because you necessarily want it to, but simply because you haven't invested time or concern in that friendship for a while? If that is a true friend, I urge you to go back and to knit together that fraying. To invest the kind of time and concern from your heart that is necessary so that friendship doesn't fail. True friends are too much to be treasured to allow that to happen. It requires effort. It costs you something. But true friendships do not grow on their own. They need to be tended. How do you preserve friendships? Well, let me state it very succinctly in five quick sentences that we'll find uh, mentioned in the book of Proverbs or suggested in the, the book of Proverbs. To preserve your friendships in the first place, don't be a nagger. Chapter 17 and verse 9. 
He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. This verse might be understood in a number of ways, but as I look at it this morning, what it's saying is that if we continually repeat something in a nagging sort of way, it causes our friendships to become strained. Friends who can hold their tongues rarely have any trouble holding their friends. If you want to preserve your friendships and nurture them and care for them, don't be a nagger. Somebody has said horse sense is what keeps you from becoming a nag. So use a little bit of it in your friendships. Secondly, don't be a gossip. If you want to preserve your friendships, don't be a gossip. Chapter 25 and verse 8. Do not bring hastily to court. What, What you have seen with your eyes, do not bring hastily to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? If you argue your case with your neighbor, do not betray another man's confidence. For he who hears it may shame you, and you will never lose your bad reputation. Solomon is talking here about a court kind of situation, about litigation. But you'll notice right in the middle of it is this bit of advice that says, do not betray another man's confidence. Don't be a gossip. Somebody has said there are three kinds of gossips. There's the vest button gossip who's always popping off. There's the vacuum-type gossip, who's always picking up dirt. And there's the liniment-type gossip, who's always rubbing it in. Beware of being any kind of a gossip. Some pastor was going to preach on that subject in the bulletin. There was the order of service and you know how it usually looks, and down toward the bottom of the service it said, message, colon, gossip, invitation hymn, I love to tell the story. (laughs) If you want to preserve friendships, don't be a gossip. If your friends misquote you, think how much worse it might have been if they'd quoted you correctly. Number three, don't be a pest. Chapter 25, verses 16 and 17. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he will hate you. Those two verses go together. Don't be a pest. Too much of anything can be repulsive. Even something good like honey or candy. Don't make yourself repugnant to your friend. Don't be a pest. Somebody has said familiarity breeds contempt. And another person replied, yes, but only with contemptible things and contemptible people. But the fact is that even a pleasant person can try another's patience when he's pesty. There was a customer who was in a restaurant and repeatedly asked the waitress for her telephone number. Finally, she gave him a number. So when he got away from there, he called the number, 
and the person answered, hello, pest control service. <laughs> Don't be a pest to preserve your friendships. Learn when you are welcome and when you're not welcome. Be sensitive to other people's needs and their feelings at a given moment. I was talking a few days ago with a youth pastor, not the one from our church, but one from a church in another part of the city. And he was telling me that after a long and hard day dealing with uh, his ministry, he finally got home at 8.30 at night, just in time to kiss his, his, his kids as they were going to bed. And he collapsed on the sofa with his wife in the, the living room, and the doorbell rang. And he went to the door, and one of his teenagers said, Am I too late? Well, he said, I was sorely tempted to say, You certainly are. But instead, he let him in. My counsel to him was, Sometime you need to help your teens understand when it's too late. There is a time to say no to people. We are wise in our friendships if we learn when no should be said and we don't press it that far. When we don't allow ourselves to become pests to others. I can remember a period in my life before I was married when I was working as an intern in the church. And I had lots of time on my hands because of my work. I was not married, had few responsibilities, and... Uh, I remember there was a couple in our church who invited myself and our, my fellow intern over to their home fairly frequently. We made pests of ourselves. Now, they were kind enough not to tell us that, but as I look back now, I can see that we really stretched our friendship. Beware of that. God's counsel, fourthly, is if you want to preserve your friendships, don't be a tease. Now, that's hard for some of us because we enjoy teasing. But it's sort of like honey, too. A little of it goes a long way. Chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Do you know anybody like that at the office? Don't be a tease. Don't do something, say, oh, I'm just pretending, we're just having fun, just a joke. A person like that is like someone who's got a mental problem and out in the middle of the street with a rifle, or a bow and arrow, to use the term here. Dr. Robert Alden said, a humor is a delightful gift from God, but it can be misused. The man who deceives his neighbor and says he was only joking is like a crazy person with a deadly weapon. Even if this man was just playing a trick, it was hardly funny. Good humor does not laugh at some, some other man's discomfort. The prankster here shows insensitivity as well as poor moral judgment. There have been some friendships broken up because teasing that went too far. A fifth bit of advice from God regarding preserving friendships is found in chapter 27, verse 14. 
If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Advice number five, don't be a nuisance. Learn to be timely, even in your praise of another person. He writes of a man who gets up early in the morning and goes outside his neighbor's house and praises and blesses him for all the good he's done. But his neighbor's trying to sleep. And as far as the neighbor's concerned, it's a curse. We need to be careful we don't become a nuisance to others. Even compliments given at inappropriate moments may cause embarrassment and put stress and strain on a relationship. Do you have friends? Likely in your whole life you'll have not more than a half a dozen, maybe ten, true friends. We all have many acquaintances, but oh how we treasure those who are friends. Do you have many friends? I've heard that complaint occasionally from people. They say, Pastor, I just don't have any friends. When you hear that complaint from someone, the first thing to do is simply to say to that one making that complaint, why do you think that is? Because sometimes we don't have friends due to our own problems. We haven't taken the advice of God's Word that we've looked at this morning, and as a result of that, people stay away from us. They hold us off at arm's length. We need to examine ourselves first if we say that we have no friends. Before we place the blame on them, let's look inside. But perhaps the better question this morning is not, do you have friends? The better question may be, are you a friend? One of the variants of Proverbs 18.24, variant readings is, he who would have friends must show himself friendly. That's the way the King James Version puts it. To have a friend, you must be one. And so, the better question is, are you a friend to another person? Because one who proves to be a true friend will usually find that that action is reciprocal. The challenge I want to give to you is to be a friend. Don't go out and look for people to be your friends. Go out determined in your heart to be friends with someone else. Because you will find that as you do that, and do it with the counsel of God's Word, you will find a cadre of friends who will eventually surround you as well. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that our friends aren't meeting our needs. My friends just aren't coming through like they ought to. I must need better friends. Well, the first question is, do I need to be a better friend? 
The second question is, am I expecting of my friends what no friend can deliver? Sometimes we allow ourselves to become bottomless pits of emotional needs. And we expect people around us to keep throwing themselves into the pit, but it never gets filled up. Sometimes we need emotional healing because of hurts and pains that we've experienced in the past. And the fact is that we need to seek that healing before we expect our friends to really meet our needs. But beyond that, ultimately there's only one friend who can truly meet our needs, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says to us, I do not call you servants because a servant does not know what his master will do, but I call you friends. Can you imagine this? That the King of the universe, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, looks you square in the eyes and he says, My friend. And he is the one who truly can meet your needs. He is the one who truly sticks closer than a brother. Because you see, Jesus Christ knows the worst about every one of us. And he loves us still. And when we have that moment of great need in our lives, he is always there. Our human friends can fail us, it is true. But Jesus never fails. Is he your true friend today because he is your Lord and Savior? I hope so. And if he's not, will you trust him today to be the Savior of your soul and understand that he come, as he comes into your life, he comes in to be your true friend. And he will act as the true friend as the book of Proverbs describes him. Let's pray together. Do you know the Lord Jesus this morning as your Savior and Lord? Is he your best and true friend? The songwriter said he was. He said, Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. Do you have friendship with Jesus? Can you sing that hymn, What a friend I have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. My friend, let him come into your life today. Let him be the Lord of your life. Let your life focus on him. Let him be all to you. Let him be the world to you. Believe me, he'll be a friend who will stick. Lord Jesus, we give thanks because you have proven your friendship. You have said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for another. You have laid down your life for us. What love, what friendship there is in that. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your desire to meet our needs. 
thank you that you desire to be worshipped. And you desire to be our all. May we today not only receive for our needs from you, but give to you the praise and the glory, that place of preeminence and lordship in our lives that you deserve. May we experience that depth of friendship, Lord Jesus, that you would want us to know and enjoy in the pilgrimage of life. Amen.